All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Revelation chapter number 8. I know I said this morning we'll continue our study in the book of Romans. I, I misspoke. At least I got the right letter. Um, and uh, we are in Revelation. And here, Romans, I'm sorry, you'll have to just keep coming back until we get to Romans. And I don't know when that'll be, uh, but uh, just keep coming back. Um, I also, uh, one announcement I need to make, I f forgot to make here, is uh, next Sunday night, um, we, uh, we do plan on running the van route, but we're going to run it different. We're running it for elderly people. And there's, there's several people that need rides and on, they catch rides from other people and things like that. And so I kind of thought, well, our van is not being run on Sunday night. Uh, that we could use that to pick up some of those people that would like a ride and can't come to church. And uh, so we're going to use that to pick up some of, our, uh, some of our adults to be able to come. Brother Tom Tannis has agreed to drive that for us on Sunday night. And, uh, and so we'll make that available. And, and I thought, boy, what a good night started as far as vision night and just kind of all of that. Uh, so we do plan on doing that next Sunday night. And, uh, and so I just want to let you know about that. Uh, maybe you're like, well, I, I, you know, I definitely could use a ride, see myself or see Brother Tom Tannis. The chances are, I think we pretty much have you on a list and we will be in touch with you this week and trying to coordinate all of that. And, uh, and Brother Tannis will be working through some of those details. Uh, and so I just want to let you know that we're planning on doing that on Sunday nights, okay? Uh, again, appreciate the help with that and the, uh, those that are, are working on that. Revelation chapter number eight and uh, Revelation again uh, is a, a phenomenal book to study. The Bible really tells us that we're blessed uh, to the person that reads it and studies it. And, uh, and so we've been going through it, and I hope and pray it's been a help and a blessing to you. Much of the book of Revelation uh, is informational, and we're looking forward to things that are going to come. And, and so uh, it's really a lot of teaching as we go through this. Uh, Revelation chapter number 8 is where we left off. In verse number 1, the Bible says this, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of an of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd use me this evening. I pray, Father, that you would give us again understanding hearts, understanding minds. Father, as we look at uh, the book of Revelation and, and try and uh, understand what we read and, and understand things that are to come. And God, I pray that you would just uh, encourage and strengthen our hearts. And uh, Father, I do pray that if there's one that doesn't know you as, as we study the book of Revelation, God, that they would uh, realize that and realize their need for a Savior, Father, and we'll certainly thank you for that. And God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. 
As we look at the book of Revelation, it's quite phenomenal. The numbers, you, can't, you cannot go through the book of Revelation without noticing something about numbers. And, uh, and I am not a, um, a big on numerology. I find it fascinating. I find it very interesting. Uh, I don't know where the practical application of some of the things there come into play. Uh, but, but it is indisputable that numbers in the Bible are important. God records them for us. And so there's something there, uh, and I will say that. We do know that uh, the, the number of God is 777. That's what they say. Uh, three, three for God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, seven being the number of perfection. And really, in the book of Revelation, we find, a book, we find uh, the number seven quite a bit. We find uh, seven letters to the churches as we read them. In Revelations 1 through 3, we went through them. Uh, then if you remember, we started looking at the seven seals. Uh, and we find that fascinating. And now we're moving on to the seven trumpets. And so uh, there is something certainly about the numbers you cannot read it uh, without seeing those things and realizing, hey, there's something to all of that. And so uh, that is there for sure. Uh, one other thing that I noticed that stands out in our text here is as we started looking at the seven seals in, in chapter 6, uh, the first seal was in chapter uh, 6 and verse 1. That was the white horse. Remember that? It represented uh, a conquering, unified, one world government, kind of. Uh, the idea of peace being the white horse. Uh, the second seal in Revelation 6.3 was the red horse. And uh, nations will, uh, will turn and, against each other and there'll be a struggle for power. There'll be war uh, that will take place. And so you can remember red, uh, the red horse, as war. Uh, so we have the white horse, the red horse, then we have the black horse in Revelation 6.5. And uh, that's a famine and, and that kind of follows a natural course of events. If there's a great amount of war, uh, then many things will be destroyed and uh, even people that would usually be farming then would be sent as warriors and may not come back and, and there'll be a shortage of food. And so the black horse then stands for famine and it does spell all of that out for us as we looked at it, and it is a natural result of war. Then the fourth seal is in Revelation 6-7, and it's a pale horse. Uh, and it stands for, as the Bible says, death and hell. Uh, probably, in my opinion, much, much sickness would come as a result of the famine, much weakness, and so many people uh, will die. And I wrote it down this week, because I, I think I got it wrong last week, that a quarter part of the earth, uh, the population will die. And we don't know what the population will be at that time, but let's just take, uh, for example, eight, 8 billion, roughly, that we have on the planet today. I don't think it'll be that, but roughly 8 billion. And, uh, and how many of that? That'll be 2 billion people that will die. Boy, that's a, that's a lot. You realize that's, uh, that is, I'm not real good with math on the fly, but that's like the, United, the entire United States dying like four times, if I did all that right. Um, just to help you get an idea of the population. That's, that's a large amount of people uh, that will die all in one shot. And so a quarter part of the population will die. Uh, and then the fifth seal is then spelled out in Revelation 6, 9, and it was the vision of the martyrs that were under the altar crying for justice. The sixth seal in, uh, in Revelation 6, 12 was the earthquake and the darkening of the moon and the sun. 
And then we went through chapter 7, which is a parenthetical. Uh, just kind of gives you the two groups of people that we talked about last week. And, uh, and we discussed the 144,000. Uh, it's definitely Jewish people. And then there's, uh, there's an unnumberable, unnumberable amount of people, uncountable. Un I'm not getting the right word there. Um, innumerable, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, amount of people that will be saved out of every kindred, every tribe, uh, all across the world, the Bible says. And that is a second group, and it discusses that in chapter 7. Now we're on to chapter 8. And, uh, and we notice in chapter 8 that uh, we have that seventh seal is finally being opened. And, uh, and it's interesting because God keeps the timeline of things by announcing the seven trumpets out of the seven seals. And so you can see that there is a, a definite timeline that is taking place as each seal was opened and it represented something else. And we get to the seventh seal and uh, out of that seal then expands seven trumpets. And, uh, and so we're going to go through these trumpets and kind of look at this passage, really, and, uh, and understand it. I want you to notice there in, uh, in, in Revelation chapter 8 and verse number 1, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. And, uh, and as you think about that, listen, silence can be, it can be amazing, if you're a mom of toddlers or a school teacher of young, young kids, silence can be golden. I mean, it just be, you know, man, I just wish for a little bit of silence. Like some, some moms are saying, man, a half hour of silence, I could go for that every day. Uh, just a dose of silence, you know. But on the other hand, for some people, silence can be absolutely terrifying. Um, I mean, if you're sitting before a judge or a jury and a half hour of silence goes by, man, you are wondering... What on earth is going by? You know, what is going to happen? And, and, and so really silence can go uh, either way. And uh, I, I was, um, I've been in different places where they, uh, where they've, they've, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've been in somewhere where they said, well, let's just have a moment of silence. And, uh, uh, and I thought, well, you know, really, what is, what's that like? And I, I thought, let's, let's do that tonight. I'm just going to do 30 seconds. I just want you to sit there quietly. All those that are online, if you're home, you know what? Just sit in silence. Uh, if you're on the phone, just sit in silence. We didn't disconnect, okay? We'll be here. But just 30 seconds, just for a moment. Think about 30 seconds of silence. Let's go right now. Thirty seconds. That was that was a long time. Felt like a long time. It's even worse when you're standing in front of people because they're all looking at you. I don't like silence when I'm standing in front of people. But but that was only thirty seconds. Could you imagine thirty minutes and uh, and and the people that are there and and there's silence in heaven for a half hour of time, 
And, uh, and what an amazing uh, thing that will be. Uh, again, I, I don't know if it'll be uh, for some, uh, that might be terrifying. For others, that might be, uh, wow, this is kind of amazing to sit here. And, and the silence doesn't really bother me most of the time, and, uh, and I'm pretty good with that. Uh, but, but just imagine a half hour of silence uh, before that, uh, or after that, that seventh seal is opened. I want you to notice in verse number two, and I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now I want you to notice this. Again, we'll continue to point this out that, uh, that it is God that is giving out these trumpets to these seven angels. And as we go through these trumpets, they will be more, um, more judgment that falls on the earth. And I want you to notice that it's not the angels that are, uh, that are, that are, uh, judging the earth, but was given to them by God to fulfill that judgment. So they are just simply fulfilling God's bidding. Uh, they are not. They are not the initiators of that judgment, uh, but simply doing what God would have them to do. And I find it interesting because as we read this, as I was reading through all of this and studying this, uh, I did notice this immediately, that as we read through these seven trumpets, which we will get to, uh, boy, they just go, four of them go in rapid succession. I mean, it's just one, two, three, and four. But then the, the, the last three, uh, there's a whole lot more detail given. And as I started reading that, I thought, boy, we just had something like that. And I flipped back, and, and the seals is much the same way. Uh, seal one was the, 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 the white horse, and boy, there's only two verses that cover it. And then uh, the second seal was the red horse, and there's only two verses that cover that. And then the third seal was the red horse, and, and there's only, uh, or black horse, excuse me, and there's only two verses that cover that. And then the fourth seal is the pale horse, and there's only two verses that cover that. It's just kind of rapid fire that they give you that information. But then that, uh, that fifth seal, boy, was a great expanse of verses that described everything. And the sixth seal was also a great expanse of, of verses that described all of this detail that, that the first few verses did not have. And then the, the seventh seal uh, that we're looking at now unfolds into seven trumpets. And uh, again, we find those first four trumpets are rather quick that they're given to us. And, uh, and then the last three trumpets, uh, we'll look at them as well. We'll look at them another time, not tonight, uh, but uh, they're, they're more lengthy. Uh, in page and in space and in detail that's given to us. And so I just found that significant and that something that we should notice as we look at the seven uh, trumpets and how uh, there, there is a systematic way that God tends to do things uh, and lays things out in the Bible. And so I just want us to notice that. Uh, then I want you to think about this as we think about the sounds of trumpets. Uh, usage in, of trumpets in the Bible is, is used very significantly throughout Scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and uh, they're used in many things to, uh, as a call to rally people, as a, a call to send forth troops, and uh, there, there's many reasons uh, for, for the trumpets. And uh, some of the parallels that we see, uh, in, in at least here, is one is for war. 
uh, we notice that the trumpet is used greatly in war times. The Bible says this in Numbers chapter 10 and verse number 9. Uh, and if ye go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresseth you, then ye shall blow an alarm with the trumpets, and ye shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and ye shall be saved from your enemies. And so uh, certainly wartime and trumpets go hand in hand. And, uh, and really, the, the world uh, is at war against God. They don't like God. Uh, they've departed from God, and, and they're, they're running from God. And so there's a great judgment that is poured out, and there is a sound of the trumpet to signify this idea of war. Uh, not only in wartime are trumpets used, but also in festivals. Uh, you think about joyous times that trumpets are used and, and, uh, and there's, listen, there will be rejoicing in heaven. Uh, in that same passage in Numbers chapter 10, I guess we could have turned there, but uh, Numbers 10.10, 10, uh, in verse 9 it talks about war and in verse 10 it talks about festivals. It says, also in the day of your gladness and in your solemn days and in the beginnings of your months, ye shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, that ye may be to you for a memorial before your God. I am the Lord your God. And so trumpets were also used as a call to worship and as a call for festivals and to recognize some of these days. And listen, uh, boy, when, uh, when we hear the trumpet that'll sound and we're pulled out of here, man, that'll be joyous time for us. Uh, to be to be uh, standing here on earth and I mean, I, I don't know. I've said this before. I, I don't know if we're going to float slowly or if it's going to be fast. Uh, I think probably fast, though, because the Bible says in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, uh, the last trump will sound. And uh, and hey, we're going to we're going to be called out of here. And, uh, and man, we'll be, uh, before we know it, we'll be, before you even have time to be afraid of heights, you'll be standing before God and you won't be afraid of heights because you'll be like, I'm in heaven. Whoa, that was amazing. And, uh, uh, and it will be a joyous time that we are assembled together in heaven. And so we think of trumpets as far as festivals. And we saw that in, in the book of Revelation, really in, uh, towards the beginning of the book of Revelation, chapter 4. Uh, and then think about this. Uh, sometimes trumpets were used in the Bible as well to announce a new king. Uh, that is certainly true. In, in 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 34, uh, talking about Solomon, the Bible says, And let Zadok, the priest, and Nathan, the prophet, anoint him, their king, over Israel, and blow ye with the trumpet, and say, God save King Solomon. Boy, there's a, uh, there's a great correlation there. Because, hey, listen, the trumpet sounds, and, uh, and we're looking to King Jesus that will reign. And, and boy, there will be a, a great day in that millennial reign when Christ will reign here on earth and set up his kingdom that has been spoken about since way back in the, in the Old Testament has been looked forward to uh, even by many of the Jews saying, hey, we're looking for the coming of the Messiah. And they fully expected him to set up his kingdom. You remember the disciples asked him at that time uh, in the book of uh, Acts and just before Jesus ascended, they said, will you at this time set up your kingdom? He says, not for you to know seasons and times. And, uh, and then he said, hey, but uh, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Basically, he reiterated the Great Commission, and then, boom, he was caught up. 
uh, out of their sight in heaven. And, uh, and so we see that idea of, hey, the king is coming, and the idea of trumpets being associated with the king, and that's certainly relevant uh, in the book of Tre Revelation, maybe not with these trumpets that we'll look at, but it certainly is a theme that is in the book of Revelation. And, uh, and then we think of also the, uh, the sound of trumpets, and of course with war, but uh, attack and destruction. And uh, I, was, I was reading through this revelation and these trumpets, and you cannot read through these trumpets without thinking of Joshua. And, uh, and them marching around that city of, uh, of Jericho in silence. And then uh, afterwards, they were uh, to march around that, that last time and march around and, and blow those trumpets. And boy, how the destruction took place in, the, in Jericho. And, uh, and boy, what a, uh, what, a, what a symbolic relation as that points to the uh, destruction that will come with the trumpets that are sounding in the book of Revelation here in this passage. And, uh, and so there's seven trumpets uh, that are kind of uh, going to be un unveiled for us and we're going to see what they are. And I want you to notice here in verse number three, so we have the seven trumpets that are given by God to the angels, and they're going to sound, and we'll see what they are. But in verse three, we have this little uh, thing that takes place in between that. And uh, the Bible says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that, should, that he should offer it, with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angels' hands. This is not one of the seven angels with the trumpets. This is another angel. The Bible makes it clear. And, uh, and there's many angels in heaven that do the bidding of God as he would ask and have them come. And, uh, and so we can see that throughout Scripture. There are some that uh, would make the argument that this is Jesus Christ himself. Uh, and I, I don't know. I wouldn't uh, say yay or nay. I really can't say. Uh, it, it could be. Uh, I didn't really look into all the arguments as to why. But I do know this. There are times in the Old Testament when Jesus Christ does come in the form of an angel. And people look at him and it's declared that he's an angel. But, uh, but if you go back and study them, you'll find, no, that's actually Jesus Christ. And so, could it be Christ? I don't know. Uh, but I will tell you this, that, uh, that there are some who do hold that that's Jesus Christ. But I do know this. As you look at it, this is interesting. The Bible says, uh, and there was given unto him much incense. Uh, skip down there towards the latter part of the verse. Uh, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. And verse number four, and the smoke and the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angels' hands. And, uh, and listen, we ought to understand this, that prayer is an important ministry. And here you clearly see it, that, that those prayers ascend up before God. Somebody said it this way, uh, that, that God keeps a file of our prayers, and they're not blown away in the wind, they are treasured in the king's archive. 
And uh, I found that fascinating. Uh, I don't know if these are, uh, are prayers that are being held on earth at this time period or if this is a catalog of prayers that have taken place over time. Uh, I couldn't tell you one way or the other, but I do find it fascinating that these prayers ascended up to God. Hey, listen, our prayers go up to God. We need to understand that. We need to understand that we have a direct access to the throne room of God. And the Bible says in John 15, 7, If ye abide in me and my works abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And I'm just saying that, hey, prayers are an important thing. And they go up before God, uh, ascending before him. And I know that they're precious in his sight. I want you to notice in verse number five, not only do we see the ascending prayers, but I want you to notice the descending judgment. The Bible says there in verse five, and the angel took of the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And so uh, we see that judgment Falls. Someone said it this way, salvation and condemnation begin at the altar of sacrifice. In other words, salvation comes at the altar of sacrifice through Jesus Christ, but also condemnation comes at the, the altar of sacrifice because, hey, if you reject Christ at your, as your Savior, then we're condemned. And so then condemnation and judgment will fall. Uh, and we find here that judgment does come out of that altar and, and that it's thrown to the earth. Uh, and I find it's very interesting there. Look with me in verse number six. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And so all of this has taken place. And now the, the, the trumpets are going to begin to sound. Look with me in verse number 7. We have that first trumpet as described. Uh, and it says there in verse number 7, The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of... And the third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Hail fire with blood. And, uh, and listen, that's a, that's a fascinating thing if you think about it. Hail coming down, uh, fire coming down, and, uh, and blood then as, as it, boy, it would just seem like a terrible thing. Uh, and if you think about it, listen, many of these plagues, many of these things that take place, it's not the first time it's happened. God has used them in the past. Matter of fact, hail, uh, we of course know that uh, in, in Egypt, that was one of the plagues that God sent on the Egyptians was hail. It's a very destructive thing. Uh, what about fire? Well, uh, wildfire uh, comes down and man, it could just burn things up. Uh, it, it seems like to me that many times in Scripture, God uses many natural disasters, if I can say it that way, and, and man does not even, sometimes, many times I should say, man does not even recognize it's a God. They're like, man, what's going on? I mean, think about the days of Jonah, or Noah uh, when he was building the ark. And, uh, and could you imagine it started raining and, and men were thinking, man, what's going on? You know, I bet they didn't even recognize that it was God. They were so far from God and so wicked in their daytime that they wouldn't, even if, even if God wrote in the sky, this is all from God, 
they still would have denied it because they were just a wicked generation that did not seek after God, did not care about God, and were, were living their own way. And so we find that there's some judgments of God that come. Uh, listen, this was foretold even in the book of Joel. You can find there's, there were several passages in the book of Joel. I think chapter 1 and verse number 19, if my memory serves. And then Joel chapter 2 and verse 30 uh, says this, And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And, uh, and so uh, there'll be those things that will take place. And uh, things are going to be destroyed with that, with that hail. Things are going to be destroyed with fire. Uh, you remember in Egypt when God turned all the rivers to blood and, uh, and, and water was no longer usable if it's turned to blood. And, and so uh, I'm not for sure of all the implications here, but I do know this, uh, that, that God is going to send destruction on the earth. Look what it says, the latter part. And the third part of the trees was burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. I read one fella and he said that... Um, uh, it's well documented uh, that a ball of electricity, uh, uh, electrical strike, can fall from the sky. And the way he described it is, is it would hit the ground and actually bounce and start a fire and then move and, and land over here and start another fire and then move and hit, start over there and start another fire. I'd never heard of anything like that before. Uh, but, but he says it's well documented. And I thought, man, what a, what a destructive force that could fall on this earth. Uh, I do know this. I looked this one up. Captain Ross, uh, you can note that name. I, I think it was 1800s, uh, noted blood red snow and, uh, as he was traipsing through it. And so he took, took some and, and took, a, took it back to have it analyzed. And, uh, and it was determined, basically, that a meteor had fallen and, uh, and, and contaminated some of that snow and, and caused it to be uh, red. And so I don't know, you know, all the explanations behind that. God's got more ways of doing stuff than we can always describe. But I do know this. God said it's going to take place. And so I don't have any doubts it's going to take place. Uh, that, that hail and fire and blood are going to fall and that things are going to be destroyed. Um, I will just mention this. Some, some well-studied men do know that these trees could be symbolic of men. Um, and, and maybe there's a whole nother thing that you can, a whole nother can of worms that you can open up and dive into. Uh, but I, I just look at it and I'm just taking it at face value. Uh, I, I don't see the need to, to make it symbolic. Could it be? Well, it could be. Uh, I don't know, but I, I just look at it and I take it at face value. Look with me at verse number eight. The first angel is the hail, fire, and blood. The second angel, trumpet sounds in verse number eight. And the second angel sounded. And as it were, a great mountain burning with fire is cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And so we find in, in verse number eight there that uh, a great mountain uh, was cast into the sea. And, uh, and you say, what kind is that? Well, I'm not for sure. It could be, uh, it could be a volcano. It could be a half a mountain blows up and, and throws itself into the sea. Uh, it could be something else. It could be a meteor the size of a mountain comes and from outer space and lands in sea. I don't know. 
Uh, I just know that the Bible makes it clear here that some form of, of mountain uh, descends and, and is thrown into the sea. Notice this in Psalm 46 and verse number 2. You can note this down. I'll give you a couple of verses. Matter of fact, Psalm 46, 2 says, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. And so there is the idea, it's not foreign to the book of Revelation, it's something that even exists in the book of Psalms, that hey, these, these mountains would be cast into the sea. And Micah 1.4 says this, uh, And the mountain shall be molten under him, and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. Nahum 1.5, you can note this down, says, The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. And so I don't know what the mountains and the destruction is, but I do know this. The Bible says there in verse number nine, that the, uh, or verse number eight, rather, that the, the third part of the sea became blood. Boy, that would be uh, a problem, as you can imagine. And we'll see in verse number nine, look what it says. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. And so we have all these thirds. We have a third of the trees that are going to be destroyed. And in verses uh, seven, we have a third of the, uh, of the ocean that's turned to blood. And in verse number eight, in the verse number nine, we have a third uh, of the animals that live in the sea are die, die, and a third of the ships that are on the sea will be destroyed. And, and I thought, boy, I wonder, how many, oh, I wonder how many ships are on the sea. Boy, there's a, there's a concept for you. When, you. when you're, next time you're bored at home and thinking, man, I got nothing to do. Why don't you look up how many boats are on the ocean? And then think about, man, a third of them are going to be gone. Uh, I'm sure there's more than 900, but just imagine 900 of them, then 300 are going to be wiped out and gone. That's one third. And, uh, and so you could imagine, uh, boy, what a, what a terrible thing. You know what kind of stench that's going to be? That all these sea creatures are dying and they're, what's going to happen? They're going to wash up on shore. Um, and, and man, what a, what a stench that will be all over the face of the earth. We're talking about the judgment of God as these angels are going to sound their trumpets and these things are going to take place. Look with me in verse number 9. Excuse me, verse number 10. We find the third angel in verse number 10. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning, as it were, a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. There falls a star from heaven. I, uh, when I read that, I thought, well, there's, there's a meteor. Um, but as I, I read a little bit more, I guess stars, and I guess there's my ignorance, uh, the stars are really like a gas, like the sun is a burning ball of gas. It's not a, uh, a physical, palpable, touchable, uh, hard planet. It's a, it's a whole thing of gas. And, and so if this, this object of gas, a star, uh, comes and actually enters our atmosphere, uh, then you could imagine that gases going into the rivers, man, and just destroying things. The Bible says that uh, uh, they're a third 
uh, again, we find that third part, the third part of the rivers in verse number 10, and, uh, and of the fountains of water. And, and listen, if, there's no, if the water sources are destroyed, man, that's a terrible thing. And people go to drink the water and it's bitter. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, it reminds us of the time in, in the nation of Israel was, uh, had left out of Egypt and they were in the desert and, and they got to the place where the Bible was called at Mara, if I remember correctly. And, and uh, as they were there, uh, they found waters and they drank them, but they were bitter. And, uh, and that's when they asked God, and, and Moses then provided that water and, and took care of that. And, and we find that God worked a miracle there. But here we find, hey, listen, that bitter water is going to come back, and it's going to be terrible. And, and men are going to die from it. Uh, all, that, all the water sources are going to be destroyed. Notice here the name, uh, verse number 11, And the name of the star was called Wormwood. Many, a, many a, a great student of the Bible has, has put a lot of ink on pages trying to decipher uh, what Wormwood is and who Wormwood is and trying to put a name on it. And, and I think this, I think, listen, God very easily can name every star. Matter of fact, the Bible says that. Uh, and so I don't have any problem with it being a star falling from heaven, hitting the earth and, and destroying uh, the water sources. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in Psalm 147 and verse 4. It says, He telleth the number of stars, he calleth them all by their names. And so he knows all the stars of the names. We really shouldn't be shocked at that. I mean, if he knows how many hairs you have on your head and you pull one out, you say, well, it just changed. He knows that. And if he can keep track of all the hairs of our head and has them numbered, then it would be really nothing for God to know the names of all the stars and for the star of Wormwood to fall to the earth and destroy the water really would not be a difficult thing for God. And so we find that the, uh, the third angel is that star that falls from heaven and it really destroys the water sources of Ohio of, of, of the earth not of Ohio but of the earth and uh, at least one-third uh, of all the rivers and the fountains of water and and many men the Bible said die because they don't have a good water source then notice with me the fourth uh, angel there in verse number 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the, the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. Now, I, I read that and read that, and I read a bunch of different people's opinions and, and I think, man, I'm not 100% sure. I know this, a third part of the sun. Uh, now, whether that means we have less sunlight, uh, we're in Ohio, we have cloudy days. Last week, I think we had two sunny days. The sun came out and it was 17 degrees and it was, looked really nice out, but it was not nice out. And, and, and so, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a, a great covering that goes in front of the sun and only allows one third of the light to actually come through. And I tell you this, I don't know, but I think this, if you lose one-third of the, the sun's lighting capacity, um, that, boy, they're going to wish they had global warming then. So I'm not too worried about global warming. 
because God's going to cool things off and then he'll heat it up as he sees fit. And the Bible says that everything will melt in the end anyways. And so, uh, so you see that uh, the sun uh, is going to be blocked. And, and it says there that um, the third part of the sun and in the middle, and so as the third part of them was darkened and the day shone not for a third part of it. And so it seems like there'll be far less light uh, during the daytime, the moon, uh, a third part of it. And I know the moon plays an integral part of, of the tides. And, and I don't know what that will mean for the tides if, if the blocking of the light will affect the tides of the moon. And uh, could you imagine if the tides all got out of whack and they didn't come in or they came in too far or they stayed out too far and, and how all of that would affect uh, everything around humanity. And then the oceans are, uh, are, are blood red and they, they stink because of all the dead creatures. And then the tides are messed up, the daylight is messed up, and, and really it becomes a mess. And then the Bible says that a, a third part of the stars, uh, you know, are not going to have a light. Uh, and, and I don't know really how that affects us here on the earth as far as stars. But think about this, and maybe God knew we'd, I'm sure God knew we'd get to the point. I mean, we're sending people to outer space. What does that mean for them, that, that the third of the stars, maybe that's their navigation. Maybe that's their, their waypoints. I don't know what that means. Uh, but I'm just saying uh, that, that all of this is going to take place and it's going to take place as these angels sound. So we find in verse number 7, the first angel, the verse number 8, the second angel, verse number 10, the third angel, and verse number 12, the fourth angel that sounds. And I want you to notice in verse number 13, the Bible says this, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. And we find in verse number 13 that he kind of even alludes to and gives introduction to the next three trumpets as being even worse than these four trumpets. And more significant, and each one of the, the following trumpets, uh, that being the fifth trumpet, the sixth trumpet, and the seventh trumpet, as they sound out, there is a woe that goes with them. And so uh, it just kind of gets worse as you look at all of the things that will take place. And I'll just state this again, uh, just for our own sake, man, praise the Lord that we're not going to be here. Uh, if you're saved and you're born again and, and you know the Lord as your own personal Savior, hey, listen, we, we know that way back uh, in Revelation chapter 4, we find, hey, that trumpet's going to sound and we're going to be called out of here. And, uh, and praise the Lord that we won't be uh, here on the earth for all of those things that are taking place. Uh, it, it's going to be a terrible time. Uh, there's going to be a lot of judgment. There's going to be a lot of destruction. There's going to be a lot of woe. There's going to be a lot of pain and suffering that takes place on this earth. And, and I would remind us of that so that we could be aware that, hey, we have a great job, a great responsibility in getting the gospel to the lost people that need to know the Lord. Uh, I don't think there's, there's absolutely nothing that would stand uh, between the trumpet blowing today uh, or tomorrow uh, and God sounding that trumpet and us being raptured out of here. We don't know. It's imminent. It could be today. It could, it could be another 10 years. I don't know how long God's going to wait. 
Uh, but I do know this, that, hey, that trumpet sounds, and praise the Lord, we'll be pulled out of here, and, uh, and we'll be home with the Lord, and, uh, and that'll be good. And then we'll find out how much I got right, how much I got wrong, and, uh, and we'll see it all play out. Because I tell you what, uh, we're looking forward to things that are going to take place. And there's things that are pretty clear, and there's some things that are, are not so clear, but, uh, but we'll have perfect knowledge when we get to heaven. And so I hope and pray that, that it helps you, gives you a little bit idea of things to come. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for the book of Revelation. And God, certainly our imaginations are inspired, our minds are intrigued as we look at the uh, the destruction, the judgments that come from you. And God, I might add righteous judgments. God, all of your judgments are righteous. They're all true. And God, I pray that as Christians, as we try to understand and, and look at some of these things that take place, God, I pray that you'd help us to have a greater burden and a greater concern to reach those who don't know you. God, I pray that, Father, if there's one even tonight that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that they would get that nailed down tonight and that they would know for sure uh, where they're going to spend eternity, Father, before they, uh, before they die or before that trumpet sounds. And Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe you just want to thank him for the great salvation that we have. Whatever the need, the altar is open. You can pray there in your seat. You can pray at the altar.